just wanted to remind you this morning about the gospel and gave you a, sort of a definition about what the gospel is a couple of weeks ago. Let me, let me say it one more time this morning. The gospel in the New Testament is the good news that God gave His only begotten Son. That's the gospel. The good news that God gave His only begotten Son. As such, God the Father is the author of the gospel. But Jesus is its decisive content. Jesus Himself, Lord Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus Christ and His holy history. That history includes His birth, His life on this earth, His resurrection, His ascension into heaven, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and His second return. That's the gospel, part of the gospel message right there, the return of Christ. And so <clears throat> that's the whole thing. And that's really what God's given us, each one of us this morning, is the gospel being entrusted to us. It's ours. And it's ours to not only have for ourselves, but it's ours to give. And I want to begin this morning by reading John 12, verse 32 through 33. And Jesus said this, If I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. If I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying what death he would die. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying about the gospel. Jesus was saying the gospel has inherent power in it to accomplish what it's meant to accomplish, and that's to draw people into, to himself. We don't have to add anything to the gospel, and we shouldn't try to take anything away from it. We shouldn't try to soft-pedal the gospel. We shouldn't try to make it into something that's not. And that's really what we've become sort of guilty of. Now, there's lots of ways of presenting the gospel. You know, that video or media kind of thing, those are all wonderful things. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the message itself. Is that we've been entrusted with a message. And we need to be true to that message that God's given us. Because there's power in that message. There's power for the unbeliever to, to come into saving relationship with the Lord. And there's also power for the believer. And one of the things that the Bible, one of the statements that Jesus says is go preach the kingdom of God. And I believe the kingdom of God has something to do with the aspect of Christ being ascended and sitting on the right hand of the Father, as as all you know above all principality and power. That, that you know Christ is Lord, Christ is King, and that's that's really something that the, we've sort of not really understood fully. And still, I don't think we still really understand that aspect of the gospel uh, thoroughly. When Jesus has preached that gospel, but I believe when Jesus has preached the gospel of the kingdom, it's all these things. It's let me just say it again. It's his birth. It's his life on this earth. It is his death. And I, I do say this, the death on the cross is the heart of the gospel. But that's not all the gospel. It's the heart of it. Because that's really the thing that set everything, you know, if he didn't die, you know, everything preceding. But if he just died and did not resurrect, if he did not come back from the grave, even the death would be another good guy died. There's lots of those guys that die. But not only did he resurrect from the dead, he went back to heaven and he sat down on the throne of God, with God himself, sat down on the throne, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. Acts chapter 2, he poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That's part of the gospel, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to return. The Lord's going to return. So one of the things that we have to do as Christians is not minimize the gospel in our lives. Now, that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the gospel for the believer this morning and about how, you know, we, and the way I feel, and maybe I'm just guilty of this, but 
I don't think I'm the only person guilty of this. I know I certainly have been guilty of this. Is we have drifted away from the central message of the Bible. And, the, you know, the whole Bible was about the gospel. The whole Bible is about God's redemptive plan for man. How God established man in the garden, established him to rule and have dominion over the earth. And, of course, man fell. And then God went from there, and the rest of the Bible, unto to the end of the Bible, is God restored man back to that place of having dominion and rulership over the earth. And that God's called us to that. That's what He's really called us to do, to how to live our lives on this earth. And that's what the Bible's really, really all about. It's about that plan of God for mankind and how God came and did what He had to do to establish us as kings and priests unto Him. That's the gospel message for the Christian. And... uh. I think I was a uh, recent experience I had is I was with a person who uh, I've known this person for years and I just happened to be uh, in the car with him going somewhere to conduct some some business and just riding along and he, we were talking and, and I had this sense from this person I sensed the essence of the Lord with this person I sensed God in the car I didn't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit I'm not saying like that I'm saying that when that person was talking, there was a, an, an aroma, there was a sweetness coming out of his life. And it wasn't, he, we weren't preaching, we weren't necessarily talking about spiritual things, we were just talking about whatever, just life in general. But I felt the Lord, I heard God, I, I sensed God. And I knew I had, had been in the presence of, of somehow this person had, had, a, had a vital connection with the Lord. And the Lord was flowing through that person's life. The essence of God was being released in this person, even in just a casual conversation. And I thought, man, that, that's really what we want. That's really what God's called us all. He's called us all to have that essence of Christ who's in us, to come out of us, just, in, just naturally flow out of us. Some of the greatest people on the earth, I believe, are not preachers, you know, because we want preachers that can preach well and everybody elevates Great preaching, you know, if you're a Christian, you like all that. That's great stuff. But some of the most powerful people are people who simply, the Lord is just coming out of their pores. And when people are around them, whether they're conscious of it or not, if they're unbelievers, they may not even realize that there's something that this person is doing. There's something about this person that attracts them. Jesus says, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw people. And that's what it is. That's what I was experiencing that day. In that person's life, the Lord had been lifted up. And there was this natural outcome that I was drawn to this person. But really it wasn't the person I was drawn to. It was what was coming out of them. And that was the presence of the Lord. That was Christ Himself. And again, I want to differentiate. It's not the presence of the Lord like we'd feel like with an anointing or something like that. You understand what I'm saying? It was more of the essence of this person of Christ that was wonderful and awesome. And that's really what God's called us to do. As one, as one person said, you know, preach the gospel, and if you must, use words. In other words, our lives can be something. Our lives can impact the world around us. And God has called. Now, I believe in using the words also, but I believe our lives must be. so. And I believe apart from the gospel, we lose that essence. And I think that's what's happened to the church because the church, and again, I'm not, maybe I'm just one of the few guilty ones, but we've become almost like this self, self-help place where we give people like five steps to you know, personal peace or eight steps to prosperity, 19 steps to being you know, free. All those are wonderful things. They're principles, and I'm not against those things. But I believe the, God, the gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation, which 
includes all things. It not only uh, going to heaven, but it includes deliverance and freedom and healing and all that God has is in the gospel. It is the power of God. It is God's heart. It's His heartbeat towards mankind. And He never meant for us as people, He never meant for the church to get so mature and so complicated that we would leave the simple essence of, of, of Christ and Him crucified, Christ raised from the dead, a virgin birth. Those are things that are profound in God's eyes. A woman who had a baby without having a, a relationship with a man, that was a profound thing that God did. He never meant for us to, to leave those things and forget those things. He never meant it. Yet the church has. The church has. And, and I really appreciate reading people's uh, doctrinal statements that churches have. If you read most doctrinal statements, they include those things. <laughs> they should. They should include the virgin birth. You know, they should include the resurrection. They should include the second return. They should include the pouring out spirit. But I'll tell you this. If all those things are as doctrines to us, then we have missed it. If they have just become a theology, we've missed it. We've missed the very thing that God did for us and, and brought us in for. It, it, it's, if that's all it is, if it's just doctrine, what is it? God is not a doctrine. He's a person. He's real. And everything that He said about Himself in the Bible is true. And it's not just a theology and a doctrine that we've boiled it down to. And that's how we've done it. And we've done that. And I'm not against doctrine. We must have doctrine. But I'm saying we've done that to try to get our minds around something that our minds are never meant to get around. God wants something for our hearts to get a hold of. And the mind thing will come. And when John 17... Uh, John 17, yeah. John 17, verse 20, Brian. Uh, this is a prayer, okay, that Jesus prayed. Are, are y'all with me? Is everybody good this morning? Okay. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. And let me go ahead and tell you right this. This was before He was crucified. He began the prayer. This is, this is really the Lord's prayer. Okay, we call the other prayer, Our Father which art in heaven. How, that was the disciples' prayers because they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And He said, well, here's how you pray. But this was the actual prayer that Jesus Himself prayed before he was crucified. And he begins the prayer, if you go back and look at the whole deal in chapter John 17, he begins the prayer by praying for Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, his guys that were with him. But then he shifts gears in the middle of his prayer. He, didn't, he just didn't keep praying for them because Jesus saw down in the time, and today he saw Buzz Stepanek. He saw Rachel Stepanek. He saw Pam. He saw them. He said, oh, I've got to pray for Rachel. Rachel's in this prayer. Sheena's in this prayer. Every person's in this prayer. I looked down through time and saw these people and I want to pray for them. Okay? And it's a powerful prayer. He said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, because Rachel, Rachel uh, believed in the Lord Jesus and received the Lord Jesus through the word of God, through what was, what was written and passed down to us, the Lord said, that, this prayer is for her. So it's for all those this morning who've received the Lord and believed on the Lord. This is your prayer. This is, and, and let me just say this. This prayer has been answered. We need to get this. This prayer is answered. God's answered it. He said, yeah, I'm, de- I'm in. God, God answered Jesus' prayer. You think Jesus was going to pray something and God wasn't going to answer it? I can promise you it's an answered prayer. If Jesus prays something, you know it was going to happen. I mean, He didn't pray some of our prayers. We're like, well, I'm hoping the Lord will... You know, bless me with a raise. Well, the Lord said, no, I'm really not in my heart to bless you with a raise this month. But he's saying, yeah, we're answering this prayer. Uh, go ahead, Brian. 
that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. All right, now that's sort of confusing. I realize that if you're like me, like, well, one, they may be one, I'm you. You know, I'm, it's sort of hard to keep up. It's like moving pieces. You know, those little things when people put a peanut under three uh, cups and switch them around. <laughs> that's what that prayer Like, whoa, Lord, wait a minute. I'm on which one's the peanut in? But this is what it is. All right, it's simply this. It's this thing called union with Christ. That is part of our inheritance, that God has made us one. He's made us one with Jesus. We're one with Christ. He made us one. We are, we are connected. We're connected. Just like my arm is connected to my shoulder, the Lord did that. It, when Christ died, that's part of the gospel. That's part of our inheritance. That's one of the great things about the gospel when you really study it. There is a serious inheritance in it for us. And this is just one of many things that God has bestowed upon us freely, that we are in perfect unity with Christ. We don't have to ask for it. We do not have to ask for this. It has been done. All we've got to do is this. We've got to believe it and receive it. Just like the gospel, when you are an unsaved person, I believe the gospel. I believe that Christ is a Savior. I believe I receive Him as my Savior. I receive Him as my Lord by faith. This is how you do the same thing. And see, that's where we went wrong. We've, we've, some of us just got saved and we stopped there. Good gracious, there's so much more. And some of us just got filled with the Holy Spirit. There's more. God has so much more for us. The gospel provides so much as a rich inheritance. Well, I'm excited about it. You know. <laughs> Anyways, this is an answered prayer. And he says this, So the world, or that the world, may believe that you sent me. That's how you have this essence of Christ I was just talking to you. That's how it comes. I was saying to my friend, I called him, listen, I said, listen, I don't know what you're doing. Just keep doing it. What are you talking about? Duh. He was dumb as, a, dumb as a piece of wood. He had no clue what I was talking about. You know, the guy I was in the car with, and I was feeling the Lord say, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. Whatever you're doing, keep doing. And I said, what is he doing? And the Lord said, he's abiding in me. It's just happening. He's just allowing it to happen. So that's how you do it. You believe this, that Jesus says we were one with him. You receive it, and you just let it. You trust God that he's going to do it, and he will flow out of you. Nobody wants to be around a Christian whose bad stuff is flowing out of. <laughs> you know? We shouldn't because there's a lot of people with bad stuff flowing out of them. We don't, we don't need Christians with that. We need Christians. So you don't get this by reading the Bible. You don't get it by praying. You don't get it by going to church or listening to preaching or studying. You don't get it by any of that. None of them things work. They won't give you this thing, I'm telling you. You get it by believing and receiving it. You believe it, you receive it, and then you're going to want to read the Bible because guess what? He's flowing through you and He likes the Bible. He likes to pray. He likes to fellowship with people. He loves to give. And, hey, this is something I found out recently. You know, in the Bible, I think it's in Acts 10, 38, I think it is where it says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed from the devil. That's what it says about Jesus. They were talking about that doing good actually talk, it talks about being benevolent. It actually, in the Greek, literally means giving money to people. That's what it, in other words, Jesus had people who, you know, they had money that people gave him, and he actually gave poor people money. That's what it means. That Jesus went about and he saw people who had financial needs. We think lots of times, oh, he just waved his hand and immediately fixed. No, he said, here, here's some money. Go buy some groceries and feed your family. 
went about doing this. That's awesome. Then he did miracles also. You know, he healed people. He raised people from the dead. But that, I think that's just pretty cool when you really find out some of the things that Jesus did. Some of the very things he asked us to do and he wants to do through us. Now, that's a little, side, a little side issue. But So that the world may believe that you sent me. So that's one of the ways the world, that's one of the ways, like I said, preach the gospel and use words if you have to. If we will abide in the Lord, if we will believe and receive Him and allow Him to flow through us, people are going to, like, what do you have? You've got something I want. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we, that should be our thing, that we're around people in the world and they're attracted to us. And they want to be around us. It's not us. It's that person in us that's coming out of us, exuding out of us. And we may be ignorant to it. In fact, it would probably be good that we're ignorant to it. If you're ego-driven and you think people are attracted to you, the Lord will smack you upside the head and get you for all that. But it'll, it'll, it's, it's just awesome. Right, let's go ahead. Uh, and the glory which you gave me, listen to this, I have given. Not I'm going to give. Not I'm going to give it in, in heaven or not I'm going to give it when they get mature. No, I've given them this glory. I've, I've done it. It's done. See, the Lord wants us to hear that this morning. God has given you the glory of being a son or daughter of God, just like Jesus. He's given it to you. It's free. It's profound. And all we have to do is say, Yes, Lord, I believe that and I receive that. So I receive the glory that you gave Christ. I receive that same glory this morning, that glory of, of being a child of God, being a son of God, being a daughter of God, and all the rights and all the things that come with that. You see what I'm saying? It's not just like, oh, I'm a, oh, I'm a child of God, and uh, that's just, and nothing changes, nothing happens. Something happens. Something comes with that. Something comes with that. Okay, and that they may be one just as we are one, and uh, and I and them and you and me that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. See, he kind of repeats himself there. <laughs> Jesus is repeating himself. So the next time your favorite preacher repeats himself. He got it from the right person. Jesus did. So if I ever repeat myself, don't blame me. Just blame the Lord. Lord, He's repeating Himself. And the Lord may say, well, I repeated myself, so what's wrong with it? I'm making excuses because people say, I think, did I say this already? Because I can't remember things long for some reason. Okay, but He did it. So He already said it. He said, he said it again. He really wanted us to get it. And, and so He said that, that, that you may, uh, anyway, they may know that you have sent me. And have loved them, and this is what I'm talking about, have loved them as you have loved me. That God the Father is saying this, I want people to know this fact, that I love Ricky just like I love Jesus. That's pretty, pretty serious, isn't it? That's real serious. I love Ricky. I want Ricky to know this. I want him to know I love him just like I love my son Jesus Christ. Okay, now this is now I'm, I'm telling you, if you can get this, this will change your life, and I'll tell you, this will drive every religious spirit out of your mind, because you've got religious spirits in your mind. All of us do. We can't help it. They're all around us. They're constantly talking to us. I mean, that's the you know, it's the, the antichrist spirit actually, and the religious spirit sort of his uh, agent at this point in time. He's out doing his work for him. But uh, John, let's look at John five, John five nineteen. And it says this, 
Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Well, everybody, if you've been in church any time at all, you've heard that message preached. That's a great message. The Son can do nothing of Himself. But what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. So that's been our goal, right? That is our goal. Listen, we want to know what God the Father's doing, right? That's the whole uh, experience in God thing, right? You know, this is how you know the will of God. Anybody want to know the will of God this morning? Raise your hand if you do. How would you love to know the will of God for your life? Well, this is the secret. It's just seeing what God's doing, okay? That's how you know the will. That's what Henry Blackaby says in his great... Uh, Bible study called Experiencing God. It's one of the best Bible studies around on experiencing God. It's like, how do I know God's will? Well, here's how you know God's will. Find out what God's doing. Do that with Him. That's how you know His will. Because if He's doing something, He wants you in on it. And It's a great Bible study. Okay? It really is. That's, instead of, it's not self-focused. It's focused on what God is doing. That's how Jesus did it. Jesus wasn't looking around. What, why, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? And, and He said, no. What's the Father doing? That's what I'm going to do. Okay? That's a great thing, but the glitch in the whole thing comes to this. There's a glitch in that teaching. How in the world are you going to know that? You know? Great, Lord, that's wonderful. I love this. But what are you doing? Does that, I don't have a clue what you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing. How am I going to find out what you're doing? So none of the rest of it works. It worked for Jesus. How can it work for me? I mean, if you, if you think about it, it's the truth. Well, here's the great secret of the Bible. The next verse is the great secret of the Bible when it comes to this will of God thing. It comes to your purpose. It comes to your death. It comes to all that stuff. But for the Father, what? Loves the Son. He loves Him and shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show Him greater work than these that you may marvel. So this is the secret. It's, it's simple. The Father loves Ricky. Therefore, He's going to tell Ricky everything He wants Ricky to know. Ricky don't have to fast for six months. Ricky don't have to study the Bible until he's wore the Bible out trying to figure out what God's supposed to do. He don't have to crawl around and beg God. He don't have to give all His money. He don't have to do any of that stuff. All He has to do is believe and receive the love that God had for Jesus into his own heart and, and, and by virtue of that according to that verse in the Bible he's going to know everything he's supposed to know and it's by faith it's, it's just like salvation you believe it and you receive it and God wants to give people a revelation of this fact I love you just like I love Jesus there's no difference in fact, if you're one with Jesus, like I said, you are, you're the same as Him. I look at you like Him. I love you. The only difference between you and Him ultimately is this. He's the only begotten one. That's the special part of Him, which means He's the top man. <laughs> Let's settle it this morning. He's the number one brother. <laughs> Everybody else is second. <laughs> We're not trying to be, take His place. We're not trying to usurp Jesus this morning. We love Him being number one brother. He's awesome. But the Bible says this, the New Testament, you know, the New Testament or the Old Testament, New Testament. What is it? Does it call itself? This is great. It says the New Testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what my Bible says. The New Testament. It's a will. The last will and testament. 
Oh, well, I've moved on. I've left everything to you. Here, here, wouldn't you love somebody in your family to die and have a will and say, Hey, Matthew Bollinger, you're $5 million rich today. Wouldn't you just love to give a... I thought, Lord, everybody in my family's poor. <laughs> they ain't nobody. They're wanting money from me. You know you're in trouble in a family when they want... Here you are, a pastor, and they're asking you for help. I'm talking about family members needing money. They ain't got nobody. Wouldn't it be great if somebody was rich in my family? Well, the Lord says, there's the richest man that ever lived. It's Jesus, and He has written a will and testament. And if you'll believe it and receive it, it's yours. That's the truth of the Bible. That is the truth of the Bible. It really is. And it, it's this. You have to believe it and receive it. Just like you have to believe that Christ died for your sins and saved you from hell. And receive it by faith. And we can begin to walk in these things. And this is what God... So this is what happened. Put that verse back there, Brian, that 520. I was reading that and I thought, well, that's what I want, Lord. I, I, I want a greater revelation of your love. I received a revelation of God's love back in the day. You know, when I first got saved, I didn't believe God loved me, honestly. Again, I thought I was with the, it was the group plan. You know, everybody, he died for everybody. I'm part of the everybody, so I'm in. But, you know, if it was just me, it'd be a different program. But the Lord had to reveal to me, look, I'd have died just for you, Byron. I loved you. I care about you. And, you what you, and this is what he told me when they said, you know what you need to do? You need to believe what the Bible says. Just believe it. I, so I, just, I'm choosing. I choose to believe that, that God loves me simply because the Bible says it does. I felt nothing. I, you know, there was no... And it, over a period of time, though, feelings came. I began to feel God's love. It became a reality when I made the decision, I made the choice to bow, to bow to God's Word, to bow that God loves Byron Wicker. And so the love came. The feelings came. And so I was confident in that. But years go by, and I hear this. Wait a minute. This is my ultimate goal in life is to be spiritual. Okay? It really is. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to see in the Spirit. I want to see visions. I want, dream. I want to operate in the spiritual realm. I'm going after that because I believe that's who I am. I believe I'm a spiritual person. And with you know, somebody said it. You know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person in this natural body, and every one of us as believers are. We're spiritual first, natural second. So I'm trying to get back to who I really am, my true identity, not this outward identity, but truly who I am inside, who God said I am, who I'm created to be. I'm a spiritual person, according to First Corinthians. Okay, so I'm saying that's what I want to do in my life. I want to be spiritual. I want to know what the Father's doing. I want to know God's will for my life. I want to see what He's doing. I want to do like Jesus did. I want to see the Father at work and go work with Him. You know, so I said, Lord, I just pray for a deeper and greater revelation of this love. I prayed this prayer. Because I know when, when I heard that Scripture, it went into my heart, that, that 520. It really went, when I heard that, it went into my heart. It touched me. I knew God was talking to me. You know, it wasn't just a scripture that you hear like, well, that sounds cool. No, it touched me. God was speaking. It was like he shot an arrow into me of that scripture. So I prayed it, but I didn't feel nothing. You know, it's like no feelings. I thought, but I'm going after this thing, Lord. If you spoke it to me, I'm going out. So I started praying. I prayed for a few days. So one day I'm sitting there at home playing on the computer, you know, doing what you... I don't, everybody does things, okay? I don't know what everybody does, but I love looking for crazy stuff on the Internet. Okay, 
Now, I know the Internet can be a bad thing, but I think it's a good thing. You can do lots of research on the Internet. So I was researching this uh, herb that's supposed to be good for, for uh, your joints. That's what actually I was doing. And I was trying to find out about the pineapple extract, if, you, if you're interested. Anyways, uh, I was researching this, and all of a sudden this thing happened. Okay, It was like the Lord, all I can say is, in my heart, okay, it wasn't an outward thing, but in my heart it's like the Lord rolled back the spiritual veil in my heart for a moment, a flash. You know, the Bible talks about the eyes of your heart being enlightened in Ephesians. So you might see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I saw for a moment, I saw the Lord for a moment, okay, in my heart. All, what I saw is the most beautiful person imaginable. That's what I saw. I saw this person. I thought, there's nothing more beautiful than what I just saw. It was captivating what I saw. And, but, but it wasn't an outward beauty. You know, it wasn't like, oh, he's this handsome guy, you know, physique or whatever. It, or like a beautiful one. It was not. It was different. It was a different kind of beauty. I can't explain it, but all I know, it was an inward beauty of purity. That I saw the most pure human being. And I'm saying human being. The Bible calls Jesus and the man Christ Jesus. I saw the most pure human being that ever existed. It was, I mean, everything, it was like purity and innocence and righteousness just came, I exuded from him. And it was, it was profound. And I, the, for the first time in my life where the Bible tells us over and over that Jesus never sinned. He never committed one sin. Not one sin. The re, that became revelation to me at that moment. For the first time, I believed that. I, I, have, I would fight somebody tooth and nail over that one point. I mean, it, we should. That's one of the things that we will never give up on is Christ never sinned. He was a spotless lamb. But seeing the reality of this person who lived for 33 years, I mean, 33, think about it. 33 years and never committed one sin. I mean, it's like, how in the world? Nobody could do that. Nobody could not live that long. Nobody could, most people can't live 33 seconds without sinning. You know? It was profound. It was revelation on the sinlessness of Christ. And I knew right then that God had answered my prayer to a, le- on a, to a level. Now, I, I wish the Lord opened it all the way up and it would have been a full-blown thing, but probably it would have, you know, short-circuited my, myself. He knew, you know, God knows. He'd just blow you away. You ain't getting all this at one time. Okay? But um, I feel like God answered my prayer for, I want to know your love, Lord. And, he, you know, because the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. Is that God somehow in the invisible spiritual world released some more love, or maybe not more, I've already got it all, but released the revelation of the reality of it into myself. And my response was to see this person, and you just loved him. That's the way I felt. Like, I love this person. I want to be around him. I want him. I want to touch him. He's wonderful. That's the feelings I had when I saw him. It made me love the Lord. It made me want the Lord. Like, I want you, Lord. You're wonderful. How could you be so wonderful? How could you be How could you be this way? You're just so... It made me love the Lord. You know, and that really to me is a sign that something has transpired in, you know, in the spirit realm of, of that God releasing His love to me. 
And see, that's really what God wants to do. Because, see, He wants to take, like, for instance, I don't know why He chose that. I would have personally, if I'd have been in charge of what I was going to reveal, I would have revealed the, the majesty, the kingdom, the, the king of kings uh, aspect of Christ. <laughs> that's what I would have sort of went through. But He just chose to show me the pure Christ, the sinless, pure, without sin, Lamb of God. And how wonderful and beautiful He is. Okay? You know that doctrinally. You believe that. But there's a big difference between knowing something doctrinally and believing something doctrinally and you seeing it for yourself. And that's what God wants to do for the Christians. He wants us to see it. He wants to make... Listen, He wants to make the virgin birth so profound to us that we just, it just blows us down. That we think, oh my gosh, look how wonderful this is. So these words I'm saying to you, they could be just simple words. Oh, I've heard it a million times. Yes, I believe it. What's the big deal? You could even say that. The big deal is when God shows it to you, it is a big deal. It's real. It's alive. And that, here's my thing, that is for all of us. It's our inheritance. God doesn't want us just to know this stuff mentally. He wants it to be real and alive in our hearts. And that makes the greatest Christians. The other thing makes the legalistic Christian. It makes the boring Christian. It makes the tired Christian. It makes the bummed out Christian. That's what the other does to you. But our true revelation of any aspect of Christ, I read the Scripture. Jesus says, if I'm lifted up. And see, the, what the Lord did for me at that moment, He lifted Christ up in my own view. My own view of Him elevated, went higher. And what did it do? It made me want to go, to go to be with Him. It drew me to Him. It made me want Him. And that's what He wants to do, do for all of us. That's what the gospel will do for you. And if you will commit yourself to the gospel, I mean commit yourself to it. And let me tell you, here's what I am finding. I'm a junior league on this thing. If we commit ourselves to the gospel, there's stone-cold resistance to it. I'll tell you why there's stone-cold resistance. Because the church has been inoculated against it. So I'm preaching to people this morning that you have an inoculation in your life. You've got just enough gospel to keep you from getting the rest of it. That's the truth. You share the greatest truth of the Bible and people just say, earlier, it's not, it's, not, it's not good enough. I need something greater. I need some greater revelation. There is no greater revelation. There really isn't. And God wants to bring us to that. He, it's like God wants to bring us, in one sense, He wants to bring us down so He can really bring us up. Bring us to the realities of what's really real in the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? So there's all these different aspects, uh, you know, what God wants to do. And I'm telling you, I think this is what the Lord, and this is what the world needs, and this is what the church needs. This is what God wants us to have. He wants to release this to us. He wants the essence of Christ flowing out of us. Because we're like, hey, we're one with Christ. Christ is in us. Christ is flowing through us. We're at peace. We're at joy. We're sitting around talking to some person at work who's lost. We may be talking about how to do some, you know, build some frame or do some algorithm on the computer, and they're sitting there being touched by the Lord and not even know it. And then the next thing you know, they're going to be the Lord's going to do something in their life. They're going to get saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> we're just walking around exuding the Lord. The Lord's lifted up. I draw all people into myself. We may feel attracted to a person, but then we find it's the Lord and think, well, the person, that's great. We love you and you're a great guy, but really, we love that Lord in you. That's who we really love. Because you get aggravating after a while. You know? 
So, um, what I wanted to do, are y'all good? What I wanted to do is finish with, uh, you know, we was going to do communion this morning. And Marlon, who's not, who's back there being a good dad, taking care of children, is, said this morning at the beginning of the first service, Lord, if there's any sick, as we do communion, let them be healed. Okay, so let's just add to that. If there's any oppressed, as we do communion, let them be released. Let the power you know, of Satan be broken off in people's life today. Um, if there's needs to be met, let them access heaven in a sense that will bring those needs into earth. Um, so that's what we want to do, is when we uh, do communion. But what I wanted to do, I just got this one thing to end on, is Isaiah 53. I was just, but, and I just wanted to go through and read Isaiah 53 to you. Because this is one place in the Bible, a, ch- a chapter in the Bible, that the gospel's preached. And the great thing about it, it's in the Old Testament, way before Jesus ever came around, you know, and they were preaching the gospel, you know, talking about this person, this Savior, this, this Lord Jesus, before the, this person ever was born. It just makes it, but it's so cool to read this, and it just makes you see how profound the Lord is. So, so let's put that up there, Brian. Isaiah 53. Everybody good? And this, I mean, this is the thing, man. This is the thing. I'm telling you, this is the thing. This is what God wants to do, man. God wants to pour out His Spirit on all the earth. That's the gospel, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wants to use the church. He wants to use the people of God. He, wants, he really does. And we have the weapon. We have the ultimate weapon. It's called the gospel. That nothing can stand. There are resistance to it, but eventually all resistance will fade, will fail. All right, who has believed our reporter? Who has believed our message? That's what they're talking about. They're talking about the gospel. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Arm means strength, means power. The gospel's the power. It's being revealed. God wants to reveal the power of God to us, okay? And then it talks about, this is so cool, it begins to talk about this virgin birth. It begins to talk about this, this person growing up. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. Isn't that profound, as a root out of dry ground? Let, I don't want to get too explicit. Virgin birth. A root out of dry ground. Virgin birth. Think about it, all you who are able to, but, you know, you know, can't go down that road too far, but it's profound when you think about it. That's really what they were talking about right there. He has no form of comeliness when we see Him. There's no beauty that we should desire Him. Now, this is where I want to hit. When I saw that, that, that the Lord, He was the most beautiful person there. I mean, it's just imaginable, and I like pretty people. That's why I married Becky. She's not here today. Because I felt like this is the most beautiful woman in the world. I, I, that's why I, that's what, that, that was the first thing that attracted me. I love the way she looks. She said, I'm attracted to her. But the first thing I thought was, wait a minute, that, that can't be right. Because the Bible says there's no beauty in the Lord. said to me, there's no outward beauty in this man. We're not looking at an outward beauty. This is the thing of the inside. That's why he's so beautiful to you. Because really, and honestly, I don't really remember exactly his, fa- his features. All I saw was beauty. And I've heard people talk about the beauty realm. Anybody heard that word? I've heard, what the heck is the beauty realm? Is it just heaven which is nice up there? And the beauty realm is the Lord. And I'll tell you something. When the Lord returns, for those who know Him, it is going to be the most beautiful sight that, could, that we could imagine. For those who don't, it might be a bad day. I mean, but He is beautiful spiritually. When he was on this earth, he wasn't anything to look at. In other words, he could have been like John Arnie. I mean, not the most handsome guy. (laughs) 
Anyways, moving on. Uh, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So he's beginning to speak to him about what he's carried, this exchange, this grief that we've had. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Now think about it. He was despised. Nobody liked him. He was not cared about, yet he never sinned. I mean, Moses, if somebody's despising me, I want to hit them. That's my feelings. Heck with you. I'm going to despise you back. You know, that's, that's the natural human feeling. He had those natural flesh and blood on him, but he didn't do it. Which is like, wow, he never did it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And of course, that's going back to the whole thing that God afflicted him in our place. And, you know, by his stripes we're healed. I think it goes on and says that. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And that's why we can boldly proclaim healing. And we can boldly proclaim deliverance. We can boldly proclaim peace of mind and, and broken hearts healed. Because it's the gospel. That's why we can say it. It's God's plan for us. It's our rightful inheritance as children. It's our rightful inheritance. We should not accept anything less. Okay, and then it says, all we have like sheep gone astray. And we need to remember, you know, in preaching the gospel, people need to realize that they are in trouble with God. Okay, now that's where the, the mess, that's part of the message that's left out today in the church, is that people need to be put under judgment. They really do. The lost need to be say, you're under judgment. God's, God's mad. He's, he's, he's going to get everything, you know. We don't really want to say that aspect of God. So we get a person where they see they're being they're, they're judged by God, they're guilty before God, and then we say, and we have the answer for you. We don't just leave them judged and beat, beat to pieces. We got them under judgment. The Ten Commandments, the law puts you under. Now here's what's going to bring you out of that. God has an answer for your dilemma. Man is under, mankind's in a dilemma out there. And let me just tell you this. For us to do, tell them anything else, we are not loving them and serving them. We, uh, the sinners need to know that they're in trouble and that they're sinners and God will judge sin and He will you know, pour out His wrath against all rebellion and all that stuff. And if we don't make that part of the gospel message, then it's not a good message. It's, we're not helping them because that's why we have these weak conversions. They just got saved. They didn't realize what they got saved from and it really doesn't work that well. Uh, we have turned away everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him all the on him the iniquity of all of us all. In other words, we all know this: all our sins, all the wrong that we ever committed, the Lord slapped it on Jesus and said, "You're going to take the beating for it." We deserved it. We deserved it, but the Lord chose to put it on Him. God chose that. That's a, that's just wonderful. That's good news. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did he opened not his mouth. He never retaliated. He never sinned. He just didn't do it. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And it's just profound, really, when you think about it. Now, again, I want to say to you, if you're a Christian this morning, you know all this. Okay? But what God wants to do is He wants to bring it besides just knowing it. He wants to make it real in your heart. That's where it's going to You need to ask Him, Lord, I need this to be real in my heart. I need to see how much you've loved me. I need to see this from revelation, not just from doctrine and, and, and just from a cold truth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. 
And they made his grave with the wicked. And that's the death of Christ. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased, now this is the great one, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, or it pleased the Lord to crush him. This is what happened. This is the next thing that came out of my mind after I first wanted to argue with the Lord about my vision of the Lord, about him being pure and like, well, he's beautiful. No, the Bible says he's ugly. The second thing I thought, you mean this wonderful person who lived 33 years on this earth and never did anything wrong? God was pleased. God was happy to crush this wonderful person? I mean, it was profound when I thought. I thought, oh my gosh. This is, this, you know, that's what Paul said. His ways are past finite. God was pleased to crush him. The innocent man, he crushed him. God was happy to do that. Now that tells me that God really loves us. He really does. He really wants us to know that. That he crushed the most innocent man that ever lived for us. That's profound. That really is profound. That really can change your life. And really make you really, Lord, I, I, just, I don't know what to say to you, Lord. What can I say to you? I, number one, I don't know how you could have done that. And I sure can't see how you could do that for me. You really must love me. I mean, your love must be something that's just not even, there's no human explanation for it. None whatsoever. And it, it's just profound. He, and he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. That's talking about, we're talking resurrection now. We're, he shall prolong his days. We're talking about, you know, getting ascended into heaven and living forevermore. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He's going to establish the kingdom and return, you know, for his bride. So, you know, um, that's, that's the gospel, man. I mean, that's really, that's really what the Lord has for us. God wants us, He wants this to be revelation to you, what I share with you this morning. He doesn't want it just to be something that goes into our mind. He wants to reveal this to your heart. Because when He does, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to, something's going to happen to you spiritually. And it's profound. And only God can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. I, <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I had a switch somewhere. I had a friend of mine one time, we was at the beach. Now, this guy's pastor. I ain't going to tell you who he is, but he's a real spiritual guy. And we were sitting around talking about spiritual things, and he said this. I just wish there was some book somewhere. We could open this book and read it, and it would tell us all the stuff we need to know about spiritual things. I said, there he is. He said, where? I said, it's the Bible. <laughs> he said, shut up. God really does, only by the Holy Spirit. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal this. He wants to capture our heart with this stuff. Okay? I feel like for me, I'm scratching the surface of something. So I'm going to pray for you while you sit here. And then we're going to receive communion. Jesus says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death until he returns. That means the gospel. You know, he's coming back and everything else. But we want this not just to be a doctrine. We, don't, we want this not just to be information. We want this to be life-changing, radical, you know... Man, it just grips us. It grips us. And it's, it's, you know, it's what we are and it's what comes out of us. And only, only the Lord can do that. So, Lord, I just pray. Lord, I first of all want to thank you for that wonderful experience of seeing 
seeing you being so pure. Even though, Lord, I, I confess, Lord, it was just a glimpse. It was minor in comparison to what you really are, Lord. I just pray for all of us this morning. Lord, we want to be people who are so connected with you that you just flow out of us, just in normal conversation, that that's reality, Lord. And I pray you'd do that for us. I pray, Lord, for every one of us in this room that we would have a revelation that you love us personally like you love Jesus. And how do you reveal that to us, Lord? We ask you to do that, Lord, uh, for the glory of your name, Lord. And help us to, to share that message with people around us. And help us to share it, even if we don't use words, but just help us to share it. Let us be that message, Lord. Just ask in Jesus' name. Amen.